This is the Gary V Audio Experience. Cause we're gonna be D-Rock, did you pick that music? Um, morning. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, first of all, it's super exciting to see the new book on the screen back there, so uh, I'm enjoying that part. I'm really, uh, I'm really looking forward to this talk, and I'm uh, even more looking forward to the Q&A session. Um, where I wanna go with this is, as we were talking in the green room about the audience, to me everything that I'm about to talk about has to do with a couple of core principles, but at the level that I think matters at a practical uh, front for a lot of you, it comes down to producing content and then respecting context to create that content. If you don't know the room you're speaking in, if you don't understand the psychology of who's consuming it, it's very unlikely that your message is gonna hit the mark for what you're trying to achieve, right? I'm gonna give a different talk here than I'm gonna give tomorrow in Miami, than I'm going to have uh, on the phone calls in between tonight because all I'm ever really doing is reverse engineering the audience and then trying to deploy the four, seven, 15, 49 things that I believe will bring value to the masses in an audience like this or to a single individual person if I get that 15 minutes to collect the context. The most interesting context that I collected in the green room is that for, and by show of hands, how many people here are contractors? Raise your hands. Right, and so when I was able to hear that it was a predominant contractor audience and then on top of that, for a lot of those contractors, they are in the business of more of an insurance-driven, storm-driven environment, it became fascinating to me because as an outsider, I was just like, well, what the fuck happens if a storm doesn't come? (laughs) Yeah, I get it. And burning down houses is fun and shit, but gets you in jail real quick. And so for for me, the most interesting part about this is what is technology really doing? And what technology is really doing right now is creating options, right? To me, the thing that's most fascinating is that the internet is grossly underestimated by everybody in this room, including people like myself who've been navigating it for the last 20 years successfully. Even in that, I'm convinced, and this is without a doubt, that in 30, 40 years, I'll look back and be like, shit, we fucking underestimated how big of a shift that really was. And looking around the audience, this is not a teenage high school crowd. There's a lot of people in here that remember the world pre-internet. And for the youngsters in here, it's hard to wrap your head around it, but it was a completely fundamentally different world. And I think that we are struggling and that's a great thing, and that's where the opportunity is. I think that the, everybody, everybody at this conference, including the fancy speakers, are struggling with understanding how big of a deal this is, and to me, in that margin, in that psychology, is where all the money is, is where all the happiness is, is where all the opportunity is. And so, punchline being, just at, at the most basic level, the thought, to strictly be in the business of storm insurance-based contract work is something that is not a good strategy, in my opinion, 
when the cost of entry to expand out your revenue sources is such a low cost. I'm sure, listen, you know your business is better than I do. I understand that things have higher margin or you can travel. There's always somewhere to fucking go. You can go to Puerto Rico, I get it, I understand. I also think that there's just an incredible opportunity to storytell and produce content and this is where I wanna go today. The thing that most interests me, the, the reason I was passionate to update the book that I wrote nine years ago that kind of put me on the map called Crush It was when I wrote Crush It in 2008 and it came out in 2009, the thought of using, Insta, excuse me, the thought of using Twitter and YouTube to like make your life was completely foreign. Both platforms were just a couple of years old. Most people were not on it if they were over the age of 25. And people struggled with the idea of you can make a living on the internet being the person that most knows about honey or most knows how to change a sink or knows a lot about wine. It was just super foreign. Here we are nine years later and I don't think anybody here is confused that there are 15 year old teenagers on you know Musical.ly and YouTube making a million dollars a year. And if that doesn't hurt your pride, I don't know what will, but more importantly, what it should do is make you realize how enormous this opportunity is. There is so much money in the system for people that provide value to an audience that it's incredible. I'm convinced, as I sit here this morning, that if I can convince one person, one person here, to basically put out Bob Vila 1984 content in a 2018 world on Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, that they will make more money in six years if they're fully pot committed, being the personality of getting $100,000 speaking, signing million dollar book deals, and making $8 million a year in advertising on Google and Facebook than they ever would actually doing the craft they're doing in this room. Now, that may not be it for you. You may be an introvert, that may not be interesting, that might seem narcissistic, you might not be good at it, a lot of you fucking suck in front of a camera, I get it. But it's the seed that matters the most and let me explain. The number one weird thing that I can tell you that will bring you value is the second you understand that you're actually a media publishing company, comma, you do what you do for a living, Everything changes. If you're an insurance policy adjuster, if you're motivating the world, regardless of what you're doing, if you actually understand that you, right this minute, because of, where is it, here it is, because of this, you, as a human, as a business strategy, are more similar to the Wall Street Journal and ESPN and PBS and those things than you are to what you're actually doing, everything in your world will change. And please understand, I roll with empathy. I understand for a lot of people that have been in business for 20, 30 years in this room, or that didn't grow up with this, and let me remind you, I didn't either. The thought that you're a media company, comma, you do what you do, seems outlandish, seems super far-fetched, and most won't even understand where to start. But the reality is, is that all the opportunity and I mean just an enormous amount of the opportunity in the marketplace right now is for you to position yourself as a media entity and, and understand the difference of being ESPN or PBS or the Wall Street Journal versus being QVC. The biggest mistake that the masses make if they believe and jump into the pool that I believe in is they become QVC much more than they become media. You go for the sale.
You, you're, everything you put out is really just a top of the funnel piece of content to try to get to a landing page for them to fill out a form and then you get their business. Versus, how do I build such a brand that sales just come to me? I promise you, there, the thing that so many struggle with is the difference between sales and brand, right? Marketing and sales, right? Advertising for the sake of a transaction, advertising for the sake of brand equity. I have built an agency called Vayner Media off of brand and it's gone from zero to 150 million in revenue on the back of brand. It comes to us. We don't go and attack it. And I think that these psychological pillars and strategies are the most important thing for a room of this where at some level you're either commoditized and or you trade on reputation and or you're transactional, which is great understood and I'm convinced that the far majority of people in this room are here because they've been able to outmaneuver in those three pillars. I just am passionate about getting everybody to understand how much opportunity there is and how low the cost is. Let me explain. DRock, there you are. For, you know, about two or three years ago, I figured out, huh, if I have somebody following me around, I'm able to create an enormous amount of content, right? Reality TV, not super complicated, except I'm in control of the post-production. I didn't sign a deal with Bravo or things of that nature where they get to manipulate the conversation or the other people that are in the environment. I get to manipulate the conversation and the other people that are around me. But what was more interesting about the model of me putting out a daily vlog which I unbelievably recommend to every single person in this room, even though 99% of the room doesn't believe that they should have one, is because I think we overestimate what is needed for a vlog. We, we overthink what people find interesting. We don't realize that we're far more the people that are rubbernecking and gossiping about people in town than we are the ones that go to see Star Wars. We, I have bad news or good news depending on how you take this, we are interested in tons of dumb shit. That's just who we are. And so what becomes interesting about that is all of a sudden too many of you have the insecurities or the humility to not understand what you're doing actually has value and may be interesting to somebody. More importantly, I think we don't realize how important it is to be deep versus wide. For a lot of your businesses, as I know the three or four industries that are in this room, for a lot of you, you're never gonna get a million views on your YouTube video. What's interesting to me is though for a lot of you, if you're able to consistently get a thousand viewers on your YouTube video, it will disproportionately change your business. And I see this over and over and over again, but here's the key. The unknown that I figured out as I kept reacting to what was happening when I was putting out a five to 20 minute video every day about the day in the life of a businessman was that I realized that through this filming, I was able to create ungodly amounts of content because when you're filming for seven to 10 hours a day, there's so much other content to be had. And so through filming, not only do I get my five to 20 minute YouTube and Facebook watch long form video, but I'm also able to get three to five, one to three minute videos for Facebook and YouTube. I'm able to get 
after I built up and was able to afford and hired a writer who watches this, I was able to get one to three articles a day or week on my blog or LinkedIn or Medium. I was able to get audio. I have a top 50 to 60 podcast. How many people here listen to my podcast? Thank you. So that's a lot. Thank you. Again, I feel awesome right now. Um, I appreciate it, bro. And so... What's, what's even more dope for me about my podcast is unlike everybody else in the top 100 who spend an hour or two or three producing their podcast daily, I don't sit down and do a podcast. We take audio from my day to day and that is the podcast. What I've figured out over the last two years that I fully believe, and by the way, it's already been figured out. I don't know if any of you saw this. In, the last, in this month, Will Smith started his vlog Will Smith's an A-list actor who makes $25 million a film. Will Smith is also a gangster and a winner and realized over the last three to four years he was becoming irrelevant and realized for him to become relevant he needs to storytell contextually in the new environment and within seven, 10, 15 days, Will Smith, because he's got talent and because he contextually put the content where people are paying attention, literally, blanketed the internet and resurfaced his brand for 15 to 30 year olds overnight. Now, not a lot of us have the equity of being the fucking fresh prince, but, (laughs) but what's most important is, and please, 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 I can be very confusing when I speak and I mean that. I'm not telling you you have to start a vlog. I'm not telling you that you have to go so hardcore that you start a vlog that also creates all your writings and your podcast. What I'm telling you is, you need to take a real step back and understand how phenomenal this era of technology is. Right now, we're living in the best time for guys like me. I always tell my friends and family, I always love when the economy crashes. I like when things are bad. I realized, holy shit, this is what's happening right now. We are spending so much time demonizing Facebook and all these platforms because of the political status in our country and the divide that we have and Russian hackers and all this and kids spending too much time on social. We have literally, over the last 12 months, aggressively accelerated our demonization of technology and these things, which means, oh shit, in a supply and demand of opportunity, I'm about to really win because a lot of people are gonna take a step back away from this I have good news for everybody. We're not going backwards. Technology is not something you get to put back in the bottle. This is going to only accelerate. If you're keeping your kids off technology, your kids are gonna fucking lose. Because what world do you think they're gonna live in? Like that's just the way it's gonna be. And so I understand the fear and we're always worried about the new thing, but I realized very recently, oh my God, this is an incredible time for me because as a lot of people are debating and think this is bad and this and what have you, there's just a land grab. There's just gonna be more opportunity for me to gather attention. And that, my friends, is the basic system. No matter what you're doing in this room, from being a camera person to a contractor, in the insurance business, make it very simple. Literally from that lovely gentleman over there who's looking at his phone in the striped shirt, yep, that dude right there, literally from him all the way to that good looking fucking dude with the peace sign and everybody in between, the number one thing that everybody is attached to professionally in this room is you are in a very basic game of gathering attention. 
You have to gather somebody's attention before you tell them how good you are at your craft, how amazing your service is, how long you've been doing it. Before anything else starts, you've gotta have somebody's attention to story tell how savage you are, right? And so, and so, please understand this. If you don't have somebody's attention, you've lost. And so, regardless of how extreme you go with this and go as extreme as I have, which is literally, I have 17 full-time employees now who are my human production company. Like, I have more employees than some production companies that produce cable TV shows. Like, that's how scaled out it is. That's the most extreme. I think I'm the most extreme, literally, in the fucking world right now on this. Or, you're all the way here and you say dumb shit like, well, Facebook's not for my business. And I know a lot of you fuckers say that. (laughs) I know exactly who you are. You're the 80%. 80% of you, in your mind, don't think it's for you because you don't realize a very important thing, which is this. Everything has an ROI if you know how to use it. Do you know what the ROI of a piano is for me? Dick. I can't play it. Do you know what the ROI of a piano was for Billy Joel? A billion fucking dollars. The ROI of a basketball for me? Zero. LeBron, a Billy. But the ROI of social media for me is gonna be a Billy and for a lot of you it's gonna be zero because you haven't put in the work and or do not have the talent to do it. The second part is tricky and I have empathy for that. We all have strengths and weaknesses. The first part bothers me because if you run your business and you have a life and you want to be happy, the fact that most of you have not put in the 100 to 500 hours to figure it out and or hire somebody, and please don't get lazy here and sit and hear this talk today and decide with each other, shit, he's right, let's go hire that 24 year old because this isn't about age of knowing this shit. You have to know it because it's your business and knowing communication in today's environment to me is equal if not scarily more important than understanding finances. A lot of you don't like running around and not understanding how to pay your bills, make money, pay taxes. That seems like a prerequisite, a cost of entry to running a business, yet you're extremely comfortable in knowing nothing, nothing about how to communicate in a 2018 environment. And that over time will become your vulnerability. Because you have to understand what's powerful about technology is it eats up everything. A lot of you are sitting here and saying, yes, this is cool, but I have relationships. I have funnels, we have JVs, there's partnerships, I've got all these things. What people struggle with is understanding how technology eats that up over time. There have been so many people that have been naive to think that, my favorite one is laws. Do you have any car dealerships right now think that Tesla can't beat them because in their state you can't sell direct? Until you can. Until Elon writes a big enough fucking check and the state of New York says fuck it, we'll take that money instead of the other fucking people's money. This is what Uber was able to win on. All the people that owned the black cars and the limo services and the medallions thought that laws would protect them. Or relationships. Let me tell you about the gangster known as technology. It always wins. You can wait for the government to stop Amazon, not before Amazon fucks you up. You can wait 
for things to happen. You can say, how many people in real estate here? Because I know there's some, right? And so, you know, I listen to all the conversations of like, well, Zillow can't do this, or Easy Street can't do that, or all this stuff over the last decade, and things just keep happening and happening and happening. And so, my biggest passion this morning, very simply, is to get everybody in the right mental state of stop disrespecting the thing that is in your pocket or in your hand right now because it's fundamentally the only thing that is going to be a variable of how successful or not successful you're going to be. It is where it plays out. And this notion of my customer doesn't live there or this doesn't affect my business is very simply in my mind one big game of you putting your head in the sand. And the worst business strategy that I've ever seen when it comes to technology is this. (laughs) And the amount of people that are playing that right now by not educating themselves on this stuff is staggering to me. When I look at these logos, this is the cost of entry. This is it. If you, you, and again, contractors, insurance, I got it. If you do not have a LinkedIn strategy, if you do not have a Twitter strategy, if you do not have a YouTube strategy, I will skip Snapchat. I can live with you not having one, right? It skews extremely young and hasn't been able to age up and it's obviously sputtered a little bit and fucking, Facebook's fucking oxygen. Like Facebook is literally oxygen. If you, if you have not figured out Facebook making you money, you literally should probably leave this conference right this second, go home and figure it out. It's probably way more important than anything that's gonna come out of my mouth and definitely anybody else's mouth the rest of the fucking day. And let me tell you why. I'm telling you why historically. Let me explain. If this talk was happening in 2006, I would have said that about Google. That little rant that I just had at the end, that's what I would have said about Google. And let me remind you who was the number one advertiser by a massive delta in the first five to seven years of Google. It was a small company in Seattle called Amazon. Amazon is about to become the biggest company in the world over this next decade on the back of running more ads on Google than anybody else when Google had one single moment. It was called underpriced attention. When there is underpriced attention, you have to go all in. I don't play poker, but when you have the best fucking hand and you know it and you know what you're doing, you go all in because the game's already over. Facebook in our society, in America, today, January whatever the fuck it is today, is, thank you, is the single most underpriced attention platform in the world by a massive delta. Let me use very basic terms. To get in front of a thousand people on Facebook in their stream, which 810 will swipe by very quickly, but to get in front of a thousand of them, it costs in the range of four to nine dollars. It can get, you know, it can run the range. Four years from today, when I come back, and nobody did anything about it except for one person and they're fucking killing it. That same cost will be in the ballpark of 20 to $50 if they're able to hold on to the attention that they're holding. You have to understand why this is important. The biggest brands in the world, the companies I work with at VaynerMedia, the Budweiser's, the Chase Bank's, the PepsiCo's, the SAP's, they're not spending anywhere close to enough on Facebook right now. 
because they're still debating its ROI, they're stodgy, they're old, they're trading on dumb metrics, there's a million reasons. Over the next two to four years, they will have to wake up because their businesses will continue to decline. When they start pouring 50 and 100 and 200 million dollars into Facebook, and you're bidding for that same woman in Alabama or that same guy in Florida, it's going to cost a lot more money. Now, for you not to be taking advantage of this underpriced real estate, real estate guy, like it's just good to buy beachfront property in Malibu when nobody thought it was Malibu. That was a good deal, right? When that is happening with attention, the way it happens with real estate, for you not to be taking advantage of it because you don't know how to use it, when you can just spend 20 hours either reading, watching videos, and trying to learn it, seems to me like a ridiculous situation. I don't really know what else to tell you. I know for fact that if you put out good content about who you are or what you do and you educate, not QVC, Bob fucking Vila, right? If you do that for a year and put two to four hours a day into that, your business will be different. And the reason I know it is because when it was much harder nine years ago because most people weren't paying attention to these platforms and the scale of attention wasn't even close and I wrote the first version of this book, I have 100,000 emails in my inbox over nine years to prove it. This isn't about me. This is about scale and to be very frank, when I look under the hood of those 100,000 emails, these are not A players. This is not the fresh prince. These are solid individuals that knew their craft who were able to maximize technology's advances to disproportionately build their business. The struggle is most people in this room, when they think about business, come from a selfish point of view. I'm gonna do this, what's in it for me? What they're not doing is building the bank of trying to build an audience and bring value. If I were you, if I were you, I would build content that would be leading to them not using you. If you're a contractor and your show is the don't hire me show and you're showing people the cliche shit that all of you know you got paid for that could have been easily fixed if somebody gave one half fuck in the household to fix it or had any bit of knowledge, if you became that guy or gal for Facebook, for America, your business would change. I know this because in 2006, February 21st, 2006, 11 years ago when I sat down to do the first episode, 12 years ago when I sat down to do the first episode of Wine Library TV, I had one agenda. I was gonna be Crazy Eddie. And if you're from the East Coast, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I was gonna be QVC. I was gonna be Home Shopping Network. I was gonna go in front of a camera on this new thing called YouTube and every day I was gonna take two or three wines that we had and I was gonna sell them because that's what we did. We were a wine store. There's no other thing. I didn't know about being a media company. I didn't have aspirations to be a personality. I was there to sell fucking wine. The camera goes on, and as a matter of fact, if you go, Google, if you go to YouTube and type in at Wine Library TV episode one, if you watch carefully, even in the first minute or two, you can almost see my demeanor change from the first 90 seconds and then after. Because somewhere literally within the first two to three minutes of doing that, I realized, huh, this doesn't disappear. This sits forever. And I was like, that's a little different than when people come into the store and they're like, eh, you know? And I was like, huh. And literally, within the first episode, not a week, not a month, 
not a year, within the first episode of me doing Wine Library TV, I realized I needed to become America's wine guy and trusted source and partner and give them value, not sell what I wanted to sell for the store. And over that first year, I exploded because it was very weird, especially 12 years ago, for somebody to go on the internet, produce content, and tell you not to buy wine that I was selling. Literally, in the episode, I'm like, this is the worst wine I've ever had, and we have 50 cases of it downstairs, and my whole wine staff's like, are you fucking crazy? And it was interesting to me because I understood what I was doing because I was running the marathon of my business, not the sprint. I would figure out how to sell those 50 cases, but I knew that if I really was aligned with you, that over time you would trust me blindly because that's what I was doing. And intent, my friends, is the variable of success in a world that we're living in where you can't hide. Please, please understand how what's happening in Hollywood and our society right now matters to your business, which is you can't hide and that is great because that allows the people in here that have the most skills and the most merit to disproportionately succeed. So very simply, if you ask me what I'm selfish about, I want you to take a step back and figure out how you like to communicate. Are you good on camera or are you shy? Can you do it in voice? Can you write? But there's three ways that we have always consumed content. Everybody's asking me, a lot of people are asking me like, Gary, why are podcasts hot again? I'm like, cause we listen to shit. Like, we are very simple animals. We read, we watch videos, and we listen to stuff. It's not super complicated. Things will ebb and flow, right? The radio used to dominate in the 40s. Technology's come along, a television was invented. We're like, oh shit, this is crazy. You know, like things come along, it goes up and down. Our phones started being with us all the time, which allowed us to have our radio with us. Things change in subtleties. Things don't change in their core. And in the core, we consume content three ways. In its core, I believe that the next century of businesses will realize that they're a media company first and then they do their service. I want you to do it first because you will make more money and that is something you probably want to do with your business, right? I I really want you to do it because for a lot of you, you love your craft and producing content will even make you happy and that's a double win. But I want you to figure out how. For a lot of you that can't hire 17 people or even one, like I couldn't for the first eight years I was doing this, you need to figure out how you do it. The reason I didn't have a blog is because I can't write for shit. Even though this is gonna be my fifth New York Times best-selling book, I can't put two fucking sentences together. I have to use a ghostwriter. So for me, I wasn't able to put out a blog every day. But on camera, when that light goes on, I wake up. I can do that. And so for you, whether it is audio, written word, or video, you have to figure out how you communicate to the world about your craft that brings them value. This is a non-debate. You have to understand why. This is about supply and demand. The reason this is a non-debate is if you don't do it, your competition will. And every day that goes by, you will lose market share because of this phenomenon. This is binary. Either you're in or you're out. And so please take it very seriously because the scale of consumption is remarkable. Like, do you understand that most successful websites right now are getting 75 to 90% of their traffic 
on a mobile device, not on a desktop device. Like the computer that seems so fucking revolutionary just 10 years ago is like legitimately becoming obsolete. Like I haven't owned a laptop or an iPad. I've literally only owned a phone for the last two and a half years. The evolution is extraordinary and we haven't even started on the next generation. Literally everything, literally everything that we now know and like live on didn't exist 10 years ago, 12 years ago. Like Facebook and the iPhone and YouTube didn't exist. And this is now dominating our consumption patterns. So please understand what's happening there and understand how you fit. Please, please use this morning's talk to finally get motivated to actually go out and do something because I genuinely believe that your business's health over the next 10 to 12 years relies on, actually this is actually super important. By show of hands, how many people here are retiring within the next 10 years? And I don't mean you're gonna fucking crush it and buy an island, I mean you're fucking old and you're finished. <laughs> raise, raise your hand, raise your hand high if you're retiring in 10 years. One, yep, I, I'll accept that. Two, three, no way dude, way too young. Two, th three. Three. For three of you, maybe four, you'll be out in the next 10 years and that's cool and everything I just talked about will affect you somewhat. 10 to 50% of the energy I just put out will affect you somewhat. For everybody in here that's gonna be in business in year 11 from this moment, everything I just talked about is the requirement to still be in business. In a, in, a, in a way that you like it. You won't go out of business, like, I don't believe in that. You didn't get to this point by being a dope. You'll figure it out, but you're gonna be fucking holding on. Your deals are not gonna be the same. There'll be technology that replaced your deal funnel. Your relationships will go elsewhere that pay them more because they'll raise money and they'll pay them more for the lead. And please do not become the taxi companies and the bookstores that were naive and said, not me, not this. The middleman of our society is called the internet and everybody else is fucking vulnerable. Do you understand? And you do one of two things with a wave. This is a fucking tsunami. You do one of two things with a wave. You either fucking find a fucking surfboard and you ride it, which is what I've been yelling at you for for the last 20 minutes, or you look at it and think you're a tough guy and think you're gonna deal that wave and then it fucking shatters your fucking skull. And so that's what I think the internet's about. Not Facebook, not, by the way, I don't give a fuck if any of those five logos are here in four years, four days, or 10 years when we're talking about what I'm talking about something will be on top of the internet that has our attention. This talk in 1995, the AOL logo's up there. And I'm yelling at you to like, take the fucking CD that's coming in the mail and fucking download it. <laughs> so don't get caught up in your personal, do you know how scary it is to me that so many of you haven't done this because of your personal opinion about Facebook? To run your business with your personal romance of how things should be versus how they are is literally the great vulnerability of business. And that is what's happening in my world and in this world. You've got an opinion about it because your friend from high school overshares on Facebook and so you think Facebook sucks and somebody's going into your pockets and taking your money. So I implore everybody in this room to use this 30 minute rant as what it was intended to do, which is I am desperate for two of you to take me up on this. Two, 
I've done this a long time. A lot of you are like, fuck this, I don't get it. Even more of you, even more of you are pumped up right now, but the next Thursday comes and something gets fucked up or somebody didn't pay you and you go on defense and you forget. But two, two people I think will say, fuck it. I'm gonna put in the two to four hours. I'm gonna learn. I'm gonna read. I'm not gonna outsource this to my 26-year-old niece because she's younger and she gets it. This business, not hooking up. And you're gonna put in the work and you're gonna understand the impact in your business. What I love about your space is you guys have, you know, a contractor is far more similar to a wine merchant. It's not heady stuff, it's practical. You can teach and teaching is powerful. It is remarkable to me that you can give away all your best secrets of how to keep me from not hiring you and that will become the thing that makes everybody hire you. And you'll feel good. Interesting shit. So, please, please, please take this serious. Please understand, to be very frank, I think I've said my piece. I think what would be far better use of time right now is to go into heavy Q&A session because what I'd like to do on the next 30 hour, 30 minutes, excuse me, is really answer very practical questions. Some of you are at the 101 level, some of you are at the 201 level, some of you haven't even opened a Facebook account for your business. So I'd love to go into hardcore Q&A. Please don't be shy, did a little homework on some of the businesses here. Most people suck, so you know, you're not gonna embarrass yourself. And so, I'd, do, we have, do we have handhelds? Like, well, how's the Q&A session? You got a couple? Cool, let's go into Q&A. Thank you so much for listening. Hey Gary, I've got, um, I got some questions that were asked through um, text. Oh, yep. Good. Yeah, that's, um, it's a little more efficient, but uh, then we'll go to but the we'll audience. But we'll still be able to go to the audience, right? I'm sorry? We'll still be able to go to the audience. Oh yeah, 100%. Yeah, okay, good. So Gene Rich. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You guys better be going to the bathroom because this is the good part. <laughs> Gene Rich and, um, and uh, another guy, uh, and Derek Klein asks, Facebook's great. What's next? You know what's funny? I don't know what's next. I'm not Nostradamus, right? And here's the good part. You shouldn't care about what's next. How about we squeeze the fuck out of what's here right now because you haven't even started. And, and, that's, and by the way, that's why I put I day trade attention, right? Like to me, I'm not trying to be a futurist or this like, you know, guru of being right. I'm practical. I go to all these conferences and work with all these businesses and I'm always set up like, he's a, fut he's a savant, he get, I'm not. I'm just unemotionally practical. I don't give a shit of what got me here. Literally I woke up this morning and everything good I've done professionally for the last 20 years means nothing. I'm only as good as today. And today, right this second, I know that if you figure out how to put pictures, videos, or audio on Facebook, that it is so unbelievably underpriced in its ad product. Forget about organic reach or like, people get caught up in things that don't matter. Like, like organic reach going down for a business on Facebook is like a bird pooping on your car. Like your car's still gonna run. Like it means nothing. And so I know that right this second that it's so underpriced that you could waste a year trying to figure out your voice and your content and it would be worth your time because the attention is so underpriced. The fact that you can target people by income level, gender, location, interests, it's staggering. 
It's staggering what this thing can do. And I love how people are like, Facebook's ruining the country and our democracy, but it doesn't work for my business. Get the fuck out of here. Sorry. Good friend of mine, Anthony Ciotti out of Florida, wants to know, innovation and creativity are the backbone to marketing. What are some of the principles that you make your team abide by using innovation and creativity? Self-awareness is the most important principle to this whole thing. I can't be you and you can't be me and blah, 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 blah. Like, you know, all these tools, you just have to know yourself, right? When I tell you to get educated, it's only because if you hire somebody, I want you to know if they're doing a good job or not. The biggest problem over the last eight years that, you know, again, this book is super fun for me because I'm able to now spend a lot of time thinking about the last nine years. So literally, I did this talk in 2010, right? Um, I'm thinking, why didn't it work for who it didn't work? Because again, what's great about how I put myself out there is people talk to me. I get a lot of feedback on social and email. The biggest thing that happened was you got inspired, you hired, or you made the commitment to an agency, or you paid somebody internally to start doing this, but because you knew nothing about it, you didn't know if they were good or bad, and a lot of times they were bad, and it didn't work. And then you just said, fucking Gary, I knew Facebook didn't work. No, Susan in your office sucks shit, Rick. (laughs) So so I think it's self-awareness. You have to know yourself, Listen, I know that there's seven to 13 of you that are ridiculously charismatic and funny and like the life of the party and were super funny last night eating fucking cheese in the lobby. Like you should do video. Like you should put yourself out there. But if you're not that, maybe you're a very thoughtful writer and you should do that. Or maybe you just become a general contractor. You learn just enough to be dangerous and then you can hire three people to do all the disciplines well over time. But please understand, you have to put out information every single day. There is no advertising anymore. You guys don't fall for advertising anymore. You know this. It's content now. You don't want to be sold to. What, buy now? Hurry, one-time offer? Free consultation? Fuck you, I know what you're doing. So Dimitri from Minnesota asks, Dimitri from Minnesota asks. Dimitri? Dimitri. Nice, Russian boy. Hey, Dimitri, um, can you put out too much content? I don't think so, and I think this is a great question, uh, Dimitri. I think that in 1984, when there was, you know, eight channels and six, you know, newspapers and you could be overexposed, right? Madonna, Michael Jackson had to go back to the well, you know, office and check out for a year, write a new album because you could be overexposed. Right now there's so much information and even a place like Instagram where there's a lot of organic reach, right? Where you get a lot of organic reach, you're still, if you post four times a day, most of the people that follow you will only see it once or twice. They won't see all four pieces of content. So I don't think you guys have the money or energy or skill set to produce enough content to be overexposed. Again, I have 17 people. I'm spending $50,000 a month in advertising in addition to that, and I'm not even getting close to being overexposed. So you can imagine why I have no fears for you to be overexposed. Mark White asks, is it better if you have a choice to push your marketing or your um, your content through your personal Facebook profile or your business? I think you should create a Facebook business page 
and, and if, like, I have Gary Vaynerchuk and Gary V like, on Facebook. B- business pages act differently. There's different functionalities in it, and there's different dynamics, and so I highly recommend that if you've decided to be inspired to either get serious or launch your Facebook page off this conversation, which, to be very frank, even for the people retiring soon, you, know, you need to do that tonight which is either set it up or start to really look at it and get serious and look at the data behind it and the statistics and try to put out a piece of content. Um, I would do that under a Facebook business page, not your personal account, because there's a lot of bells and whistles that Facebook will continue to build on that from a business perspective that your personal page will act differently. And plus, some of you actually use Facebook still as a normal person and you wanna be that normal person on your Facebook page while you're allowed to be all business all the time on your business page. And I think as you guys know, because you've seen some of your friends do this, when they start bringing business or other things into their personal page, you're like, what happened to Sally? Thank you. <laughs> a great question from Justin Smiley. What's the most powerful habit you've developed? What's the most pass? What's the most powerful habit you've developed? I think the most powerful habit that I've developed is empathy. I think empathy is no question my biggest strength. And it and manifests in a lot of ways. Number one, it makes me a great manager. I've ended up being able to build really big companies because I love people more than they love me back. Right? Uh, it allows me to be a great CEO because I know that I work for all my employees, not the other way around. That's the line in the sand of being a good business CEO. Uh, and it also makes me a great salesman, right? If I know what you're thinking when you're coming in, I know what to feed you to get done what I want. And it also makes me a good public speaker, right? I come in here with a lot of empathy. I have a good sense of your industries and where you could be and I look around and get a sense of the demo of age and the psychology and I also am empathetic to the fact that a lot of you have tried social media and gotten no results. Like, and this is why I bring up a Billy Joel or a LeBron statement because it's a very easy way for you to be like, right, it's not that Facebook sucks, maybe I suck at Facebook. Facebook doesn't suck, guys. Facebook is doing trillions of dollars of revenue for people. It's just that you have, you know, it's like working out. You can read about push-ups. <laughs> but to get the results, you gotta do them. And so I think a lot of us are reading and pondering, or more importantly, coming up with excuses because we don't want to put in the work. And that's cute until it hurts your wallet. So a lot of us have heard this, but um, um, Chris Stark, big fan. He wants to know if you can share your 400 trillion to one advice for the crowd. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) so I think gratitude is super interesting because a lot of people when they consume my content online leave funny comments, especially if it's the first time of like literally the comment is cocaine. You know, Ritalin, I laugh and my high school and college friends laugh the most every time I talk to them because my mom did such a phenomenal, my mom was super impacted by Nancy Reagan and was like, no drugs. And so I didn't, never did anything. So like all my buddies always like when they, you know, you know, if they decide to look into my world, they always laugh at that. And I always ask myself, why do I have so much energy? Number one, some of it just chemistry, right? I have a lot of, you know, of that DNA, but no question. The reason when I wake up this morning, I'm all fired up, is like if my phone didn't ring in the middle of the night and those six or seven people that I really give a shit about are still alive, I kind of just go black and white. It's like a light switch for me. They're healthy, I'm happy. 
Like, I lose money, I get made fun of, bad things happen. I have bad, you know, when you're a CEO of a $200 million company and 800 people, all, do you know how much anxiety I have right now that literally in my phone there's four texts that have happened since I've been on stage that's like, they fired me, Karen quit, Rick's a dick face. Like, like, that's my life. My life is nothing but anxious, negative, I eat shit for a living. You're, you're, I mean this. Your ability to eat shit is directly correlated with how much money and success you have. If you can't fucking handle it, you can't get there. So, but gratitude. I'm so grateful. And then so like, you know, you know how you manifest, you manifest, we all get wiser with age. I was doing some sort of video and I was talking about it and I asked one of my guys, I'm like, can you find out the math behind becoming alive. I was fascinated, because I know, you know, I failed all my science classes, but I know scientists figure out this dumb shit. And they, like, I was curious about how rare is it to actually even become a human? And I've become fascinated about this. Guys, the modern scientific world believes that somewhere in the ballpark of 400 trillion to one for you to even be sitting in this audience right now. When I back that math out and realize that I can win the mega millions seven times in my life, more likely than even having a life, I start to struggle with not being grateful. I'm just so fucking thrilled that I have this at bat. Like, I always make the joke of like, you could have been a ladybug. <laughs> you know, and, and I was born in, in the Soviet Union where ladybugs were cherished, so we don't kill them, but I've seen a lot of you kill ladybugs. And so, you know, like, like, you could have been a tree, you could have never been born. Like, I always loved the joke of like, your, your mom might have got up for another glass of wine which would have thrown off the timing of your parents having sex. Like, like the miracle of, like, it is ludicrous to be a human. There's nothing more ludicrous. And then you complain about somebody giving you skim milk instead of almond milk? Or that the plane is delayed by 30 minutes? Like, Fuck. So, I'm just grateful it's my fuel. <laughs> Yo, what's up, G? Uh, I'm Savage. I just want to say, what's the biggest failure that you brought the most value out of? You know, I think the failures for me, that's a great question, Savage. I think for me, Failures are funny, right? Like I throw out, for a lot of you that follow me, you guys know I passed on Uber, even though back to crush it. If you go to my first book that inspired this, the only person I thank besides my family is Travis, the co-founder and CEO of Uber. The thought that while I was investing in hundreds of dumb companies that I passed twice on one of my best friend's companies that then went on to be a generational company like, I, I wish you guys could zoom in. I have massive goosebumps on my arm right now, not because of any other reason, of it probably taught me more than anything of how much I love the game more than the money. It's scary to me how much I don't like the money. I don't like the money. I like the game. I don't want to buy the Jets. I want to try to buy the Jets. When you become obsessed in your process, not the results, you win. If you're sitting in this crowd and you do what you're doing because you think it's the best way for you to make the most money, you've lost. And I don't, now, I don't, like, listen, you got bills, like, I don't, I don't wanna look, I'm not looking down at you, I just think there's potentially a better way. That's why I write books like this, like, 
by the way, everything I just talked about, let me brain twist you. Let me throw you for complete, Savage, thank you so much. You helped me go somewhere where I need to go. How about everything that I just talked about, maybe this is the thing that makes you the most money but doesn't bring you the most happiness, so how the hell are you gonna make two hours worth of video of like fixing a fucking roof when you fucking hate it? Maybe you need to keep doing what you're doing but when you get home at 6.30 or 9.30, maybe for two or three hours you produce content around Star Trek or the Saints or whatever, sneaker culture, maybe what this is about for you is how you get off the golden handcuffs and the drug of making $213,000 a year for your lifestyle and over the next four years you can make $213,000 speaking about skateboarding or making organic tea. That's what I'm so passionate about. People don't realize how much money's in the system around every niche subject matter because all you need is 10 to 50,000 people that give a shit to create finances that may stun you. Depth versus width. So, I don't know man, like honestly, I'm, I feel like when it comes to failures, something really interesting. Number one, I love them. I love when people look down on me. Like in a weird way, when I was in school, even though it was the toughest time for me because I hated it, there was definitely a part of me that loved it because I was watching the teachers and my other friends' parents' eyes and I saw what they were, I saw it. I saw how they were looking at me and fucking it drove me. It drove me so much. I was like, you motherfucker, do you understand that your fucking kid's gonna work for me? I don't give a fuck what college he's gonna go to. Like, that drove me. So I like, I like losing. Look, I'm, I'm very easy read. I grew up a Yankees, Rangers, Knicks, and Jets fan, right? I don't fuck with the Yankees anymore because they won too much. I don't want that. I fuck with the Jets because I love the pain. I fucking secretly love that the Patriots came back on Sunday because even though I hate those fuckers more than fucking Hitler, I, I, still, I still like the pain, you know? I like the pain. So what's weird about me with failures is I'm learning from them because I learn from pattern recognition. I don't learn from the failure like, oh, I'm not gonna do that again. What I think I learned from is just watching consistencies, right? It's easy for me to be great at all these because I learned on email and Google and banner ads the psychology. So by the time this came around, it wasn't an accident that I invested in Facebook and Twitter. I'd seen that rodeo before, right? And I'll see it again because once I grasp the pattern, I'm fucking set. So it's really hard to beat somebody when they love losing more than their competition likes them losing. Let that one sink in. Right here, Gary. Yep. Gary, what's up, man? Uh, big fan, love what Thank you're you. doing. Thank you. Uh, my name is Randy Brothers, and I literally spent the last year writing a book. Interesting. And it's being released on Monday. Amazing. Two questions. My one, book will outsell yours. Yes, okay. probably. <laughs> Sorry, I just thought that was gonna be one of the questions. That, three questions. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Okay. So, real quick, yes. what would your advice be to promote that? And two, will you give me your feedback on the book? Definitely not on two, because I've literally, I don't read. Like the thought of reading your book is, is like less interesting than you coming up here and assassinating me. <laughs> you know, I, I can't read, so I can't do that. But let me tell you about the first part. The, uh, the first part is, <laughs> That was ridiculous. You know what's fun for me? I, I actually live outside myself. I'm like sitting here, I'm like, where the fuck did that come from? Randy, let me tell you a couple things. And I wish, a couple things. 
Very important thing about book selling, uh, and unfortunately the timing, I'm a big believer that you sell books way before they come out, three, four, five months, but I, I think there's a, many things you can do, but I think it's hand-to-hand combat. I would literally reach out and try to build relationships with the people that are at the top of the sphere of the people that most likely would read this book. So to me it's like how do you build a relationship with a thousand people that are the psychographic or profession that would influence all the rest that go into your book. So it's a lot of DMing, it's a lot of emailing. I don't call it cold calling because I think cold calling, cold reach out or blast emails are looking for scale. I think when you actually wanna reach somebody and you sit there for 25 minutes and read their world and figure out what they care about and then write a thoughtful email, it's a lot different than control C, control V times a thousand or one bulk email, but it's just human relationships to bring awareness, uh, giving them out. Did you self-publish or you got a publisher? Publisher, You have the whole deal. So the bad thing is what you didn't know or maybe what you did know but you were hoping wouldn't happen is you realized very quickly your publisher does nothing to sell your book. Because they don't know how. You feel they did? That's part of the, part of the deal, yeah. They, they specialize in the whole package of I promotion. See, I we're see, in, like booking the box kind of stuff? We're in soft launch right now. I've been in soft launch for a month. Like we're, Got it. Yeah, it's a whole so it's not a traditional process. publisher. Good. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I, I, I think it's time. I think you do as many interviews, as many podcasts. I just think it's 18 hours a day, 20 hours a day of like hand-to-hand combat. I often talk about marketing today the way that America has fought wars in the last 80 years. It's not a fun analogy, but unfortunately it's like the cleanest one I know, which is we were really good at World War I and II in Korea because when you had the biggest army and the biggest most powerful bombs and you know, ammo, you won. What we struggled with in Vietnam and Afghanistan is when you have to go village to village, hand to hand combat, it's a totally different game. Marketing used to be, especially for books, go on the Today Show, get one newspaper to write you up and you're off to the races. This new world we're in is like hand to hand combat. So I think if you think hand to hand combat, that will help you, you know, from a strategy standpoint. Got enough. I get it. And I get it, like, you know what's crazy? You'll find this interesting. And I, I know a lot of like people hit me up about like the audio book and that's what I should do when I talk about not reading. It's not even that. It's that I, what I'm doing for my professional, what makes me happy or what I learned about myself is I'm learning by watching how you consume. Like I don't read anything and I've never been more educated because it's all coming from the feedback that you're giving me. So I'm reading the consumer what they're, like I know everything that's going on on Netflix, not because I watch The Crown or Stranger Things, it's because I'm listening and watching you guys react to and it just became the way I consume. So it's kind of neat. Start it, build it, grow it. Contact Nice plug. <laughs> Dimitri. Um, Dimitri, were you the other question? Yes. Do you feel like you're being a little greedy? <laughs> he came to me. Respect, <laughs> respect. All right. I apologize. Oh, come on. Dimitri. I got to give everybody a. Give, at least give it to Dimitri. People. I feel All bad right. now. I'm okay. sorry. Give it back. Well, I'll, I'll make I'll, it easy. I'll, it's actually for everybody. It was a shocker in the beginning when you said that uh, you did homework and we're doing a pretty bad job out there. But uh, anyway, a question for you is uh, can you define bad content that can maybe hurt your business? Don'ts, what not to. You know, sure. Try to be careful out there. Yeah, so Dimitri, it's interesting. It's, I'm going to make a really interesting comment. So obviously because I was born in Belarus, I've been so fascinated my whole life about Soviet versus 
you know, communism versus capitalism, Soviet Union versus US. It's so interesting you asked that question. My biggest observation of communism versus capitalism is communism is on defense and tries to put you in a box and capitalism is on offense and once you do something wrong, they put you into a box. To me, it's very difficult to put out bad content. You know, bad content, like people don't like it and it was a waste of your time and money is one thing. Something that's detrimental to your business What's amazing is you and everybody here knows what that is. It's probably a bad idea to put out content that broaches into the subject matters that people are blindly over-emotional about, whether that's doing something ridiculously wrong like racist or sexist or something of that nature. And listen, the reason I don't go into politics often is I don't feel like we're capable of handling that conversation. We struggle in society, in America, to talk about politics, sex, and money. It's just, we're uncomfortable with it. And that's okay, cool, I, again, I just react. I have no emotion about that one way or the other. But the only super detrimental content is when, you know, it's a bad idea to put out a piece of content and be like, hey, it's Johnny's contractor's company, and by the way, fuck Jesus. You know, that's bad business. <laughs> you know, or like, I don't think girls can do this, so let's now get into it, bad idea. But like other than the things that we all know and will laugh to nervously is it's very easy. Bad gets into you've wasted time and energy but back to Savage's question, I think for a lot of people here, if you make the mental shift, right? Like I do with gratitude and perspective and you say, you know what, 2018's the year, you know what, I'm gonna call Gary's bluff. I'm gonna spend a lot of money and a lot of time this year to figure it out, to see how I feel about this on January 1st, 2019. I think that by the end of this year, you'll see where that all plays out. But you know, you're in control of your business. As long as you're putting it out and not somebody else is putting out your press releases, you're not vulnerable to doing deeply detrimental content unless you're a little off kilter. You got it. Hey Gary. Hey, and can we go, do you guys have some questions on the sides? Cool, after this, can we go to the sides? Go ahead, hi. Hi. I do something a little different. I do taxes, but taxes. Yes. Awesome. So, what are your thoughts on using? <laughs> what are your thoughts on using Facebook groups to build your audience? A fan. Facebook groups are an incredibly good way. But I would also look. I actually think your business is ridiculously interesting for Facebook. All of us struggle with our depth of knowledge of taxes. It's not a fun place. If there's any category that I think help America, if you literally just started like something called 365 tax tips and you made a promise in every video. This year, every day, I'm gonna put out a one minute video, a three minute, a short video on a tax tip that you haven't thought about. Now, you have to go back and figure out do you feel like you have 365 different things but knowing the tax code in this country and plus, you know, you can say the same thing nine different ways a lot of times or use different analogy. If you're a single mom with, you know, I mean that would help. You wanna talk about something a lot of people could use you know, I think that um, TurboTax and QuickBurn, like a lot of these things, that's what their marketing should be, not just, you know, like the commercials they run. I mean, I think you have a huge opportunity to really build a top of the funnel business, but I also think developing a group where you're more active is a great thing as well, but if you can do videos with little tips or audio, you will crush. And if you do that on like a 30, 40 mile radius, you'll get a lot of, you know, there's a lot of business there. And do you have clients that are like national because it's all electronic or is it more localized? I have, company, uh, I have clients all over the US. 
Yeah, I, mean, I, I have just, a Facebook group now with 26,000 people in it specific to a direct selling company, so I'm looking to expand that into other industries. That's exactly right. And how's the group going? Great. Yeah, so I mean, I think, you know, that's the point, right? It was the opening line I said here, which is like, look, you're specializing in a certain part for a lot of the contractors here. There's just no reason not to do the other part. Like, that's what's amazing of how quickly you can rebrand yourself. It used to, imagine if this was 1987, it's like you gotta change your company name and go into the yellow pages and send a lot of money on direct mail. Like, now, literally, in six months, if you just put out videos and pictures about other subject matters, you are that. Everybody told me that I couldn't be a business person because I was the wine guy until I made business content. Marky Mark was Marky Mark <laughs> until he was Mark Wahlberg. You know, like, you can be, you know, The Rock was not supposed to be making $25 million a film as an actor. You can become anything you are in this world as long as you put out the content and people are interested in it. So a lot of you that feel like you're, you know, that, that would be a common misperception for a lot of people here. I'm so embedded. Your own ego's hurting you. I've been known for this for 28 years. Yeah, by like a couple hundred people. <laughs> right? Got a question from Brad over here to your, to your right. Um, I'm here with my 13-year-old son who convinced me to let him skip school today to come see you and he's wearing And he's kicks. got the sneakers. <laughs> so, the That's a good dad. Yeah, so. Fuck I'm, school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've been lucky enough to come from nothing in, in one generation to build wealth. Good for you. Um, doing, being very diversified. Yes. How do I make sure my kid is hungry when he eats all the time? That's a great question, man, because it's something I think about all the time. There's a, couple, there's, a couple of, um, there's a couple of ways, right? Like, first, there's one thing that I believe in quite a bit, which is you can't, photo? You can't, you can't, you can't fabricate environment, right? What's up, brother? How are you? Good. Photo? Matching sneakers. Nice to meet you, bro. So, so I think, you know, one thing I think a lot about, one thing that I think you and I will make a cliche mistake of is faking environment. I see a lot of my extremely wealthy friends send their kids to Africa for a week and build a home and think all of a sudden, miraculously, their perspective was fixed even though they're taking a private plane to the fucking Hamptons a week later, right? So I think we, we have to control what we can control and we have to accept what we accept and we can't be too egotistical and romantic. You and I are very ingrained with the way we perceive our come up story. Our comic book to us, we're proud of from not a whole lot to something, right? But we can't impose on them. That's not going to be their narrative, right? There's a couple ways to make sure your kids are hungry when they're eating all the time. A, feed them less, right? That's one thing. B, respect the framework they're playing in and figure out what they're hungry to do. We can't judge our kids who look at our success and decide maybe, look, this is something you and I don't love to hear, but a lot of kids grow up, look at that, and go the other way. They don't wanna work that hard. They wanna give away money to people that are less fortunate. They feel guilt. And I, for me, the big thing that I'm gonna do with my two is not impose my blueprint on them. Of course I'm romantic about my way. Of course my parents are romantic about that. But I have to be thoughtful about what their actual reality is. To me, the thing that you and I have to do is make sure they're kind 
make sure they're respectful. The thing that to me is a line in the sand is they can't use our wealth to hurt somebody else's feelings. I'll accept my kids doing anything other than if I hear Xander making fun of another kid because he's meeting athletes because of me and the other kid can't, I'll punch him in his fucking face. But I won't expect him to climb my mountain or he doesn't have to be an entrepreneur. So I think you have to deploy empathy and you have to audit what his interests are and reverse engineer that. If he's generally interested in me and the sneakers and the content and being here, well that's remarkable because he's putting entrepreneurship on a pedestal like a lot of young men are right now and that's cool, right? Just gotta make sure it's not fake entrepreneurship. He can get caught up in all the stuff that looks cool. You and I know it's eating fucking dirt. So that's kind of how I think about it. You got it, brother. Okay. Gary, over to your left, we have Spanky has a question for you. How are you? Dude, great to see you again, man. It's always good to see you, bro. Um, first of all, thank you so much for everything you put out. I've been following, watching what you've been doing for years and have built my brand off of my version of that. I love it. When you, let's, let's, let's stay in the theme of crushing and crushing it. Let's go into a little bit deeper because maybe you'll, maybe you'll inspire more than I will. How did that first start? Like, give me, give me the details behind that. When did you first find me? Where, when was that and where started were you at and what happened sure. next? Sure, started following you when you wrote Crush It and became kind of just a follower, just watched, kind of saw what you did, but at that point I was working in the corporate world. Okay. I wasn't, I didn't have my own agency, I didn't have my own company and certainly didn't have my new company. Um, but watched what you did and, and, and saw how you did it very thoughtfully and very real and very humbly, which I thought was a key to this. Um, so just fast forward, I've been following you for years. March 6, 2017, in a Facebook group, CPA accountant person, in a Facebook group, somebody needed help writing ad copy. You know this story. <laughs> I went into the group and helped them rewrite their ad in the group, which led to 15 people saying, wow, I wish I could write ads like that. And then I made the stupid mistake of saying, if you ever need help, email me, hit me up, DM me. Yep. That weekend I had 100 requests. Yep and my company was born. Yep. Six months later, we hit global scale, and, uh, and you at dinner in October recommended that I get an operations person. Best fucking advice ever. Um, I'm good at this shit. No, dude, I sent you an email with a snapshot. You saw that email? I did. Uh, our revenue stream? like that since I brought on Brandon. Guys, self-awareness. You don't have to be great at everything. You have to be great at figuring out what you're great at and then surrounding yourself with everything else. Humility. You've got your ego caught up in this narrative. It's the same thing about, hi while I've got, excuse me for a second, while I've got you guys hiring. So many of you have not fired somebody that you desperately need to fire because you're the one that hired them and you have more pride in being good at hiring than running a good business. This is the psychology that matters. So my question to you is this. In my breakout presentation, I'm actually showing people how to build that brand the yes. way you talk about it. I get it. Just my version of it. I get it. How do I get our customers, our clients, to stop giving a fuck about the buy now, click here, get into my funnel, and get into the storytelling of their business? You, you don't. What you do is what I do, which is you're gonna go on a journey of spending a fucking decade exhaustively standing up here yelling and screaming and ranting or calmly or whatever you're doing. You, all you can do is put out the truth and let the chips fall. You heard me very carefully, two. My great ambition here is that two of you listened and do. That is some bullshit numbers. 
There's hundreds and hundreds of people here. But that's what I've learned, which is like, I don't, you can't. What you can do is aspire humbly and authentically to get them there and then just let your skill and, and talent and work ethic create the legacy of how many people you were able to get there. Right, look, look how I'm thinking about it. From my tree, it's like a coaching tree. From my tree to you, to you to them. And so for me, there's enormous amount of pride in how many people I've been able to hit, but some of them may be in your breakout session. I'm here and you're here. Some of the people here didn't get hit by what I said, but maybe in your breakout session do. And honestly, that feels incredible for me because I know where that seed started. You got it. Guys, we got um, time for like two more questions um, because we don't want to get down to the meet and greet. Gary, you pick. Okay. Let's go to to the gentleman all the way over there who never thought he was going to get picked. Mr. Jeremy Rubin, the friendly flipper. Hey, Gary. Hey, I want to say thank you. You inspired me to produce a daily video, and I actually have a little bit of value, I think, to share with the group. It's real quick. I started using Snapchat to produce a daily video, and it allowed when? me... Uh, I started um, in August. started in August. Of this year? Yes. Yeah. So just wherever he goes next, August of this year, when Snapchat was already on a decline of its attention by most standards, but still has a huge audience. Keep going. Yes, so I started that, so using Snapchat, because I didn't know how I could capture my content, my day, you know, as I go throughout my day, because I didn't have someone to follow me around with a camera. Now, before this, were you using Snapchat to hook up? No. Okay. I'd never used Snapchat. That was just selfish, I I was just curious. Keep going. I saw no value in Snapchat at all before that. I thought, you know, bunny ears and whatever, filters. But I use it, I turn my phone sideways, put it in landscape mode, and I snap myself, and it limits you to 15 second clips, you know, 10 seconds, you know, at a time. You can go longer if you want. But the, the value in it is you see yourself on camera, you get better off camera, and it forces you to be concise. At the end of the day, I save my entire story, and I upload it as one single video to YouTube and Facebook. And- Snapchat this Wednesday is gonna create a feature with one click that you can share your entire story to Facebook and Twitter. So all the steps he had to go through to like save it and upload it is now gonna become seamless as now Snapchat has made a decision this morning strategically to start letting stories live outside the Snapchat environment. Keep going. So that's, that's how I've been so that's able the punchline. to produce. Through, through the creation, it wasn't that the ROI of Snapchat necessarily brought this incredible impact. It's that you learned a craft that you're using in real life in the way that you communicate for what you're trying to actually achieve. Yeah, and anyone here can put their message out, you know, expose the world to their expertise using Snapchat as the tool to record yourself and then upload it to Facebook and to YouTube. So what's the question? I just want to say thank you for inspiring my daily video. You got it. All right, let's go there. And then we'll get you pink shirt. Pink shirt, I'll get you before we end. Gary, hi, Ethan with Four Elements. Thanks for everything, dude, you're amazing. Thank you, brother. Uh, This industry here is about storm, it's about insurance. I'm gonna give it a little bit of the industry, you know, we're here. Um, We live on door knocking. You live on door knocking. Yeah, when a store comes in, when insurance comes in with door knock, that's our highest ROE on investment media. How can we, uh, like Amazon took over all, you know, the retailers. How can we take over door knocking by using the, the well, media? Well, here's what I know about storms. The media does a good job telling you it's coming. So what I would do if I entered your business is I would run Facebook ads 
directly against the weather, weather pattern or projected zip codes of that were gonna be affected by the storm and start building awareness about me a day or two before the storm saying that if this happens, put in your email address and phone number and while you're busy fixing your life and I'm not gonna bother you and knock on your door like all these fuck faces are, I'm gonna have your data and I'll hit you up on your convenience if you have an issue. Then I would hit one email blast and I would beat all you guys door knocking with technology and running 177 of Facebook ads. Okay. The man, the man in pink here, this is uh, David Luke. I know Dave. Hello. Hey. You know me? Yeah. How do you know me? I know you right now, I mean. Wow. Not I like theoretically. Like, I, I got it. Well, three years ago, we started, uh, based on Wine Library TV, we started Cleaning Business TV. <laughs> we put out YouTube content, we put out Vimeo content, and all it was informational. It was all the stuff you said, teach people yes. how to do what you could do. Uh, shockingly, maybe not shockingly, but we, uh, this past year, became the eighth fastest growing franchise brand in America. Go figure. So we're a maid service. We just crashed this roofing convention, an insurance convention. We just wanted to come hear what you had to say, and uh, I thank you. I appreciate it. it. And I thank you crashing it because I think you, there's, you know, I don't even know how to actually tell you how many people this is working for while I recognize only 1% is even listening, let alone doing. The the significance of the market that you're living in right now is extraordinary and you're just not getting your peace. You're hearing about cryptocurrency billionaires, you're reading about Elon Musk and the social media founders. Maybe you're not gonna get eight trillion, but you just do not realize that there are 10 million for you and that's why I think this is gonna be the biggest book that I may ever write because I think the crescendo moment of the time we're in right now, stories now of, you know, this is three stories already. Like, I'm sitting up here and like telling you, when I did this in 2009 with Crush It, nobody even heard of it, let alone were there testimonials. In this small conference by standards, here are the testimonials. How many other people are testimonials to Crush It? Raise your hand. It's real. And, and honestly, I think all of you, I truly believe this, and this is hyperbole, but it's not because I actually genuinely believe this. I genuinely believe more than half of you in a four-year window can make more money talking about the thing you love the most than what you're doing now. That's difficult for me to almost digest. The fact that I know you love baking way more than being a tax attorney or, or, or you love hockey way more than you love you know, being in the construction business and the fact that I think if you spend 100 hours learning and then three years instead of watching an entire season of Crown or YouTube videos or stay in your Instagram all day looking at people that are in shape and know how to take good angle shots that you can literally live a disproportionately more financially and happy life, that, that feels like snake oil. I'm being serious right now. And the fact that I know it's not is almost like difficult. The fact that I know that college, and the reason I do the fuck school thing is not because I was a bad student, it's because I look at the data and the amount of kids that are going into massive debt and then come out of the school system with nothing of an opportunity for it and then, do you guys understand that our, remember, I'm putting this, DRock. I'm putting this on film. This economy, ours, I'm giving you the preview right now. Right this second, I'm gonna tell you what's about to happen because it's data. Our economy 
collapsed on the housing crisis of credit before, if you all remember. Our economy, this country's economy, is going to crash on the college debt lending crisis we have right now. You may not know this, but tons of kids in their 20s and 30s are getting tons of credit and getting a lot of money to like buy a home because in America, you want shit. You're in huge debt with insane college interest rates and you're making no money to pay it back. Our country will go into recession on the back of the college debt crisis and when it does, my being unpopular for the last decade saying we need to scrutinize college, I'm gonna be put on a pedestal. CNN and CNBC and Fox News is gonna put a video of me in 2008 saying fuck college because I'm right. It's just data. It's broken. And so as much as I know that we as parents have accepted go to college and this and that and tons of kids are broken, I also know that 50% of you 50% of you, do you understand how amazing it feels to make money and love what you're doing along the way? How many people have that? Don't raise your hand so fast. How many of you love, can't breathe without what you do and you make money? Raise your hand. Good, it's a good number. 50%, maybe 40. I'm focused on the other 60%. And I'm focused for the 40% here. You're the Bob Vila and the other 60% of you, go make a pie making show. Go make a show that analyzes every TV show. Figure it the fuck out because it is a land grab right this second and it will go away and then you'll regret, you're gonna regret. You're gonna sit here and in seven years when this passes by because there's new technologies and this doesn't exist anymore, that's real, you're gonna regret that you didn't do anything about this talk and then I'm gonna find you and be like, fuck you, why didn't you? I'm not gonna feel bad for you, I'm gonna mock you because you deserve to lose, so please don't let me mock you. Please go out and grab yours. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks, New Orleans. Hey guys, I hope you really enjoyed this episode of the Gary Vee Experience. Now go out and share this, pass it on, let me know what you thought.